Our scripture comes from Matthew 6, 25 through 33 today. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. There's this good book. Uh, I was going to bring it up, but I forgot it in my office. So if you want a picture of it, I can show you later. Um, it's called Anxious for Nothing. And then the little subtitle is Finding Calm in a Chaotic World. Anxious for Nothing, Finding Calm in a Chaotic World. It's by Max Licato. Uh, we actually, as a church, did a sermon series on this, like, I don't know, like two and a half years ago now. Uh, believe it or not, if you were here, that's how long ago it was. Um, because, I don't know, maybe you remember, but like three years ago, something was going on uh, in our country and in our world. I think Tuesday was like the anniversary of, I don't know, anniversary is probably the wrong word, um, of like the first shutdown for COVID, right? And, and by that summer, uh, so many of us uh, were feeling anxious and we're searching for calm in a chaotic world. So uh, that summer's sermon series was on this book by Max Licato. And, and part of, uh, I think it's really helpful, part of how he defines anxiety uh, is this way. This is from uh, page three of his book. I'm just going to read it off for you. Let's see if this sounds familiar uh, in your own life. So again, he's speaking of anxiety. He says, it's a low-grade fever, an edginess, a dread, a cold wind that won't stop howling. It's not so much a storm as the certainty that one is coming, always coming. Sunny days are just an interlude. You can't relax. You can't let your guard down. All peace is temporary and short-term. It's not the sight of a grizzly bear, but the suspicion that one or two or ten is behind every tree. Beyond every turn. Inevitable. It's just a matter of time before the grizzly bear leaps out of the shadows, bears its fangs, and gobbles you up along with your family and your friends and your bank account and your pets and your country.
So if you need a light read. <laughs> no, but it really is uh, this good book. It's this book that, I don't know if you've read anything by Max Licato, but he has a way of, of writing that uh, is, is very accessible, it's very reachable, but yet is able to get to these deep things of life. And, and he's a Christian author, so, so the entire point of the entire thing is what does, what does Jesus have to say about that? It's not just describing what anxiety is, it's, it's where do we find this in the Gospels? Where do we find this in, in Scripture, and what does Jesus have to say? You know, anxiety is real. Uh, it's real in our world, and there's a lot of self-help books out there. If you just, I don't know, go to the airport library, you can find uh, things on anxiety. And then there's so many things, uh, but we don't really gather here to go over self-help books, right? We gather here to, to open up God's Word, to open up Scripture, and to look uh, at what the Bible has to say uh, about something. So here we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 6, looking at what does the Bible teach us about living an anxious life or living a life uh, on the other side that is leaning on God and the truthfulness of who he is and how we can uh, lean on him. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus' earliest followers, they talked a lot about anxiety. They talked a lot about fear. They talked a lot about worry. They lived in a world that was full of it. They lived in a, in a dangerous world, a world that was uncertain, a world where your next meal was not even necessarily guaranteed to you. So, so they lived in a place where, where anxiety was high, intention was high, and yet they were trying to live this, this countercultural life of, of following Jesus. So it's no surprise that, that all through the New Testament, all through the Gospels, that, that this keeps coming up. What does it mean to be followers of Jesus, but yet to live in this chaotic world? What does it mean to, to seek after God and to, and to trust in his character and who he is, but yet to live in a world that is unreliable and a world that is often dangerous and a world that even draws us away from our own, our own comfort and our own feeling of security? So we're in this sermon series uh, this time of year. Where it's called The Jesus Way. And in the Jesus way, we're simply looking at different passages uh, in Jesus' life and in Jesus' teaching uh, in the Gospels and, and saying, if we're really not just using the title of Christians, but we're really following after this Jesus, what does it look like to live his way in the world? What does it look like to seek after him, to live a life that somehow reflects his life and, and his values and his teachings? So last week we talked about uh, what it looks like to have a childlike faith, not meaning an immature faith, but a faith that is fully dependent on God, that's fully leaning on him, that we can't really do it on our own. And this week we'll shift and we're going to talk about the way of the sparrow. Jesus' command to cast aside the worries of everyday life and to instead focus on God 
and focus on who God is and, and believe that God will provide in the details if, if we focus on his mission in the world. So before we dive straight into this passage, a few, I think, definitions are helpful. Uh, so, so two words to define, fear and anxiety. Fear is the emotion that you feel when you're out hiking and you come across a rattlesnake. Anxiety is the emotion that you feel when you say, I will never go on a trail again. Right? So there's, there's a big difference. Fear, in this instance, uh, is being afraid of the snake. Being afraid of the snake is, is not a bad thing. It's actually a very healthy thing. It's probably a good thing for your body to be afraid of that snake because there's real danger there. As anxiety is then, for the rest of your hikes, for the rest of your life, seeing a snake around every single corner and living your life in that reality that there's always a snake there. In, in that book by Max Licato, he uses this quote. He says, anxiety is a meteor showers of what-ifs. A meteor shower of what, what if what if life doesn't turn out the way I think, what if, what if my children aren't safe? What if my home uh, is invaded? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And then that, those what-ifs become crippling, right? Those what-ifs start to crush us. Healthy fear actually keeps us safe. It's actually a good thing. Like, you, you should respect that rattlesnake, right? Healthy fear keeps us safe when it's appropriate, it's actually a God-given gift. It's part of our humanity. It's part of how we are designed to respond to danger. But anxiety, especially anxiety that's perpetual, anxiety that, that continues, that keeps going, it twists us all up inside, and it starts to make us paralyzed. And it's the assumption that there's danger lurking around every corner. And now I want to be clear what, what I'm talking about because I don't know about you, but I've heard pastors talk on, on anxiety and it, sometimes it sounds like, maybe they are saying it, but sometimes it sounds like they're saying, um, don't worry about how medication can help you. Don't worry about how seeing a counselor can help you. Like all these things. And they're like, just go to the Bible. Just lean on God. That's not what I'm saying. All right, so, so if you're somebody that has anxiety and you're somebody that, uh, that needs uh, medication for, of course, chemical imbalances and all this stuff, that these are God-given things. These, these are a good gift uh, from our God. But, but there is this other component. There is, a, a, I think, a spiritual component that says, what are we fixing our minds on? What are we focusing on? It? And Jesus talks about it here, and the disciples continue to talk about it. So, so I think it's good for us to talk about it. I think it's good for us to look at, at what that means for us as followers of Jesus. So here in Matthew uh, chapter 6, a little bit of background. Uh, this is a whole long section in the Gospel of Matthew that, that us as modern Christians called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is, is doing a number of teachings. He's teaching his disciples what it looks like to seek after him, what it looks like to follow him in, in this world. He's already talked about uh, some pretty familiar passages. If you know uh, the Gospel of Matthew well, he's talked about what it means to be salt and light in the world. He's talked about what it means to love our enemies, what it means to give to the needy 
that are around us um, and what it means to deal with, with earthly wealth, with the things that we acquire, with the things that we have. And now he shifts his focus a little bit and he starts to talk about what it means uh, to, to address problems of worry in the world, problems of, of not being able to feel like we can lean on God. So here we are, Matthew 6, starting at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So again, Jesus shifts our focus away from the other things into the issue of worry. How are we as followers of God supposed to interact in the world, especially a world that, that often worries us, that often uh, puts us in this place of worry? And Jesus says uh, that you're, you're not supposed to be focusing on, on all these, these basic things of what it means to live life, what you will wear, what you will eat, what are uh, these, these important things of life. Instead, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. That's actually in verse 33. I skipped down for you. Um, but it, this is a nice passage, but right at the end, Jesus tells us the point. He doesn't always do that. But here, uh, Jesus actually tells us what he's talking about. Verse 33, he sums it all up. This whole sermon is summed up here in this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, I could be done right now if that wasn't so difficult. Right? If, if, they, if that was just easy to do, if we were just like, yeah, seek that first, and then, and then I'd go sit down, and we'd all be like, okay, good. Got it. <laughs> like I, now we can just live my life that way. Right? Now, now I'll just seek after him, and, and everything will be good. But life is, is harder than that. Right? We might agree with that intellectually, but then we go to try to live that out, and, and worry creeps back up. So, so I think it's important that Jesus, he continues to talk about this. And, and the Greek word uh, that he uses here, that my translation says worry, um, in some other places in the New Testament, it translates that concern. Slightly different, right? Um, there's a different emphasis. Concern uh, is kind of like what I said was fear. Concern can be appropriate. Concern uh, can be directed towards things and in the right levels and in the right um, direction, uh, and actually is, is a fine, healthy thing. But that word, it's the same Greek word, also can mean an intense feeling of anxiety. An intense feeling of anxiety. Later on in the, in the book of Acts, uh, this Greek word is used to describe the disciples' feelings when they're about to get arrested. It's this word. So this is what Jesus is talking about. This feeling inside, this intense feeling of anxiety. So it's not really talking about someone who's concerned over something they probably should be concerned over and has an appropriate level of concern. Instead, this is an inappropriate worry that is misdirected or, or in the wrong uh, proportion, so much so that, that what Jesus is saying is it's so much misdirected, it's so much in the wrong proportion that it actually is showing a lack of trust in God. It's showing a lack of trust in who God is. 
So much that, that if somebody saw you, uh, and this is what was, was going on in their time, the, the world was watching these Jesus followers, right? And, and people were, were watching them, and, and they were seeing them, and some of them were living lives of such fear that the people outside started wondering things about their God. If they're so concerned, if they're so worried, then who is this God that they follow? Is this God even faithful? Will this God be with them? If this God is real, why are they worrying so much? So the problem is that the people outside start to conclude things about God's character based on the actions of his followers. And Jesus sees this as a problem. They start to question God's, God's character, God's faithfulness, based on worry. Verse 25. I'll read it for you again. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus loves to do this, this kind of teaching. It's actually a very common style for for rabbis during his day where they ask questions and the implied answer is yes. So, is is not your body? Or, is not your life more than food and your body more than clothes? Yes. Like, of course. Of course my, my life and my body are more important than food and clothing and, and the response where you're supposed to draw the conclusion to is is that if God is going to be faithful in giving me life and God is going to be faithful in giving me a body, then certainly God will food will food me. <laughs> will clothe me and give me food. I kind of like food me. Jesus goes on to give us a few examples. He he again knows that that he can't just give that sermon and sit down either. <laughs> because his disciples need more. His disciples need more. And, and maybe that's good news for us, because I don't know about you, but I need more. Uh, and Jesus continues. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Again, another question, are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any of you add, or can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? You see, the birds do what's just natural to them. Birds, they actually, they, they do build nests. They, they go out, they build nests, they collect food for themselves and for their young. But we're told here that it's actually God who feeds them. God is providing for them. God is watching over them. The point being that Jesus' disciples are called to seek after him, to seek after his ways first, and then God will be faithful in providing for them. God will be faithful in the details. Are you not much more valuable than they are? If God's character, if who God is, if God's character is such that he takes care of even the birds even though they're relatively small and really a kind of insignificant portion of 
creation, especially compared to humanity, right? They're, they're relatively small, they're relatively insignificant, but, but God watches after them. Then if that's the case, then we can easily conclude that God will take care of us. So he says, look at, look at the birds when you start to worry about your life. Look at how they are provided for. Jesus kind of advances his argument here, and he says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? The implication is, is pretty simple. You can't add any time by worrying, but, but worry can certainly suck the life out of life, and it can certainly suck the energy out of life, and, and that's energy that you could be being used to follow Christ to do the things of God, to seek after him, to be his disciples, and instead our energy is sucked from us uh, in this, this cycle of worry. Jesus goes on to his second example. Again, we need more, right? I need more, you need more. His sermon is not done yet. He goes on in verse 28. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the, see the flowers of the field? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So Jesus shifts our focus away from the birds and into the flowers that grow in the field. He uses the comparison of Solomon, who, who in the Old Testament is, is the richest king that ever exists. And he says, not even his clothing, not even all of his wealth, everything that he had made him dress more fine than the fields. Look at these flowers and how beautiful these fields are. There's, there's part of this that I think is helpful. We miss a little bit. Is They didn't live in a forest, like maybe many of you. Uh, so, which means they didn't burn wood for, wood was too valuable, wood was too rare. So, so when they wanted to cook something in their oven or when they wanted to heat their house, they, they took bundles of grass and it was dried and it was made uh, into kind of a hard, uh, almost like brick of grass. And then that was what was used for heating everything. So the grass of the field is this kind of insignificant thing that is here. It's going to dry out. It's going to get bundled up. It's going to be burned up. It's just, going to, it's just used. But yet this insignificant thing, God is taking care of in this amazing way. Even Solomon is not dressed as well as the grass is when, when the flowers come up and it's so beautiful. And I can just imagine Jesus with his disciples. And, and I'm assuming there's a hill full of, I don't know, California poppies uh, in front of him. And it's just this beautiful thing, and you're able to, to look at it, and he says, look, look at that grass that, that God has even taken care of. It's so insignificant. I mean, it's, that's lower than the birds, right? <laughs> it's just going to get burned up. It's just going to be used, and, and yet it's this beautiful thing. How much more will God take care of you? If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? The whole point, this whole time, is why do you worry? Don't you know who God is? 
So much so that, that, again, the outside world is looking in and they're questioning who God is, God's character, God's, uh, God's faithfulness, God's willingness to walk with his people, that they're, they're looking in and, and because of the anxiety and because of the worry, they're, they're questioning God. They're not questioning God's people. They're questioning who God is. Verse 31, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Little Bible study hint. If you're ever compared to the pagans of the world in the Bible, that is not flattering. (laughs) Uh, that is not where you're supposed to be. <laughs> if pagans means you worship other gods. It means you're, you're one of these other people groups. Uh, they're around God's people at this time, and they have, they have all these gods. And, and how the whole system worked is it was unpredictable, and the world was dangerous, and, and you've kind of picked one of the gods, and, and you offered sacrifices to them, and you offered your allegiance to them, and maybe, just maybe, if everything worked out perfect and that God happened to, to favor you, Maybe that God would help you in life. But you can feel the anxiety in the whole system, right? Because maybe another God decides to be angry at you, and then you lose everything. And you didn't even know that you were supposed to offer to them, and, and you're stuck in this place. Or, or I imagine like in the book of uh, Jonah, when, when Jonah's out at sea and there's all the sailors in the boat, who were told are all the pagans that are with, and they're like, what God is causing this storm? Right, they've been offering to their gods, but now another one is causing this storm. And that's the anxiety of, of the pagan life for them. And here Jesus says, don't you know that, that pagans run after these things? But your heavenly Father knows what you need. We don't worship those gods. We don't seek after those, those unpredictable ones, those ones that, that we try to manipulate in some way and can't really control. Uh, thank God that's not who our God is. Our, our God is faithful. And our God uh, is there for us. Jesus says this, this is not how you're supposed to live. Not so with you. You know who God is. You know how much he cares for you. You know he promises never to leave you or never to abandon you. You don't need to win his favor. You don't need to convince him to be faithful. That's who he is. He will care for you, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. It's not about you. It's not about your actions. It's not about convincing God to bless you. It's about God. And it doesn't say it directly here, but I feel like that's what Jesus is addressing. That's, that's his worry. That's his concern. As he's looking at his people, he's, he's saying, people are going to misunderstand who your God is if you don't start trusting him more. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I read it in the beginning. This whole section here is summed up right here. Seek first God's kingdom 
and God's righteousness. And all these details, they'll be ironed out. God will provide. Seek doesn't mean that we look for something that isn't there. It means that that's where our mind is focused. Focus on God. Focus on who God is, seeking after him and his priorities. When times are hard, Jesus encourages us to look at the sparrows, to look at the other birds, to look at the flowers, to realize God's faithfulness in the small things. And and to continue the same argument, doesn't that mean he will be faithful and he will be true in the big things? He loves you more than he loves the birds. He loves you a whole lot more than he loves the grass of the fields. So we can conclude that because of who he is and because of his faithfulness that he will not leave you, that he will not abandon you. Whether you feel his presence or not, it doesn't change who he is. Whether you feel uh, that he's doing things in your life or you just don't see it, that actually doesn't change who God is. We're not that powerful. We're not that, we're not that strong. We're not that influential. It doesn't, it doesn't all revolve around what we think or what we currently feel. It revolves around who our God is. The whole point Jesus is saying is that we can lean on God. We can lean on Him when times are hard. We can lean on His goodness. We have a good God. We have a true God. We have a faithful God. A God that seeks after us even when we run away from him. We have a God who isn't intimidated by whatever's going on in your life. It may be scary, it may feel really big, but God is not scared. God is not intimidated by what's going on. And the best news of all is that this God is not just powerful, but he loves you more than you could ever imagine. He is for you. That's what it looks like as Jesus' followers to live the way of the sparrow. It's to to realize that when times are hard that we can just look at these other things and we can learn something about who our God is or be reminded of who our God is, His faithfulness. And we can conclude if this is who my God is, If this is who my God God is, then I can stand in the storm. If this is who my God is, then I'm not going to be shaken. If this is who my God is, then, then I know that he will be faithful in the end. In just a few moments, the worship team is going to come forward, and they were so gracious to learn a new song for me. Every once in a while, a pastor will tell a worship team, hey, could you play this song? Right? And it's, they're not always the easiest ones, because pastors do that to worship teams. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but it's this beautiful one. It's by this artist named Jason Gray. It's called Sparrows. Uh, here's just a few lyrics. There's not a single star that is out of place. There's nothing broke that he can't remake. 
If you long for hope when you're afraid, look at the sparrow. If you don't know this artist, if you, if you haven't heard of Jason Gray, I encourage you to look him up. He's a Christian artist, and uh, he does a wonderful job with um, not just taking like biblical words and like putting them to music. Some artists are, are good at that. He takes like the application, but it's always biblical, and then, and then makes a song out of it. And if you're in a rough place, if you're in a hard place, he's a good one to, to Google. He's a good one to look up. Maybe I'll give you homework this week. There you go. Your homework is uh, look up Jason Gray, listen to a few of his songs, and see if God speaks to you. The lyrics are often deep, they're often meaningful, and they're almost always biblical, and uh, it's, it's just uh, very encouraging. So this, uh, this song is uh, from our worship team. This is a gift uh, to you, hopefully to connect you uh, with Christ. And the worship team is looking at you like, do I come up now? I'll pray, and then you can come up there. They're like, now? I'm making them nervous. Uh, the, the songs are... Uh, of course, great, and this time is uh, it's really for, for you to connect with God. So if you need to sit, uh, please sit. If you need to stand, if you need to lift your hands, if you need to bow your head, whatever you need, uh, this time uh, is a time for you and God, and I feel like he wants to meet you here. So let us pray first, and then we'll uh, listen to this song.
If you long for hope when you're afraid 